What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. Hello, Miss Keegan. Hello, dear. How are you doing today? (laughs) Well, as we just established, we're both very, very tired. Um, I think that's just kind of the usual with us when we record at night. We're just kind of like, oh. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think that that's pretty much the standard. I was watching a uh, TikTok where they were talking about how, like, Comparing your tiredness is basically millennial culture at this point. We're yeah, all totally. burnt out all of the time. Uh, yeah, and this is no exception. And today, I only worked till three because it's Anthony and my anniversary today. Happy Anthony, anniversary. Thank you. Eight years. What's up? Oh, wow. Um, I know. It's a long time. And we went to the Van Gogh, uh, the like immersion van gogh exhibit yeah i saw the pictures on your story it looks really cool it is it is so cool i know that it's touring right now so if it's coming to your city i would highly suggest going and doing it it was very very interesting it was really moving um and i really enjoyed it so if you like art yeah yeah (laughs) i can fuck with art Yes, but I even even then, you know, even the fact that like I didn't even work a full day today, I'm just like I'm I'm spiritually exhausted. Well, yeah, you know and then I mean? you went and like did something too. So you were still like doing stuff all day. It's not like you had like downtime, relaxing time. And it's your anniversary, so you're probably doing fun stuff. Like, yeah, that's exhausting. Yeah, and my brother's here and it just feels yeah. like I I haven't stopped moving since I left town <laughs> for real you know, yeah so when do you get a like, vacation from the vacation <laughs> i never never i can't I, remember the last your time. bachelorette party oh that's true that is true that is coming up <laughs> that's gonna be a good time looking forward to that for sure oh gosh it's needed <laughs> um i haven't left really i mean i've left for like day trips the city of los angeles but i haven't actually left the city of los angeles since june 2019 I'm, I'm not going to lie to you, Madigan. Um, L.A. is, is kind of great on my nerves lately. It oh, actually, yeah. It actually really is. I was looking at this graphic, and you might have seen it because I think I posted it on my stories, where it was showing the states that have lower populations than Los Angeles County. And there are only six states in the United States that have populations higher than Los Angeles County. Higher? I thought right. you were going to say lower. No, higher? No. no, no. Every other state in the union has a lower population than Los Angeles County. It's too I mean, much. It's too many people. I'm it sorry. It is too many people. Enough. <laughs> yeah, some of y'all go home. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going back to Minnesota. There's nothing for me there. I've been here 11 years. I've staked my claim. 
some of y'all need to go home or well, stop moving that's here. That's the thing. <laughs> it's like, I feel hypocritical saying this because technically I'm a transplant, but both you and I have been in, have been in Los Angeles for over a decade at this point. Yeah. And so I feel like, look, we've, we've paid our dues, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> at this point. We are Angelinos now and we're not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but sometimes I'm tempted to. Anyway. Oh, for real. <laughs> anyway. I am so excited to be doing a What's in the News episode again. It's been so long. It is. It is exciting to be doing a What's in the News episode. I know that people have been reaching out on our social media asking when we're going to be back at these episodes. And we're back. Um, And we are back. And the thing about these episodes in particular now, I know we've been putting up a lot of throwback episodes even on our main episode days. uh, But these episodes in particular, because they are so time sensitive, it makes it very difficult to do them while traveling elsewhere. Uh, especially when you are living in your conservative parents' house. I thought that you weren't staying with your parents. I thought you were staying with other people. I I bounced around. I did, which also makes it difficult when you're bouncing around. Well, I was going to say, then it's like impossible. You have no like real stakes to claim. Yeah, yeah. You don't, you know, you don't have a lot of like privacy or whatever, uh, which makes it very hard to record a podcast. But I did spend the majority of my time with my at my parents' house. Uh, but I did bounce around and I stayed at a couple different people's houses while yeah, I was Yeah, it would have been interesting to record our uber feminist podcast in the home of your uber conservative parents. Oh, I've done it. I have <laughs> done it before. The listeners uh, don't know this, but I have recorded this podcast in my parents' house Do on they just previous like have- trips. Have the ear to the door, like, what is she saying? I mean, I don't know, but it is what it is. It is <laughs> what it is. Well, we have a lot to talk about and I have a feeling that one of the things in particular both of us probably have notes on I would really really like to talk about what's going on in Afghanistan right now I think that it's really important the only thing I have notes on okay I also have some notes on the Delta variant because I think that we haven't really had a COVID check-in in a while yes uh, that's true I have um, about four pages of notes on Afghanistan four or five five pages wonderful um, So should we get started? Yeah, yeah, because it is a really, there's a lot. It's very convoluted. To discuss. It's it's complex and not complex at the same time. Yeah. And, um, okay, so let's let's jump into it. I I do think in the future, we should have an episode just solely on the quote unquote war on terror because it was a colossal mess and a failure on every level. And even experts say that. That's not just my opinion. You know, there are people who were kind of leading this effort who have said publicly that you cannot say that it was a success in any way. Um, So that's just something to kind of like keep in mind. And, you know, also something to keep in mind is, that we have been in Afghanistan for 20 years since after right after September 11th, 2001. Yep. Uh, but this war or wars have been going on in Afghanistan for the last 40 years. So there's a very large portion of the population in Afghanistan who have never known peace. 
They have never right. known peace. They've never known peace. And a lot of people in Afghanistan have also never known what it's like not to have a U.S. military presence in their mm-hmm. home either. So, you know, thinking about it that way, you know, thinking about my age when 9-11 happened and my age now, thinking about how accustomed we are to the changes that have been made in the United States and things like that. And then going and thinking about the people of Af- Afghanistan, the children at that time growing up with it, how this is just their their regular way of life now. And with pulling the troops, while I am so happy that we are seeing an end to this unbelievably senseless war, the way that we are going about it has become so dangerous to the Afghani people. And this was something that we were worried about to begin with, is that Biden was pulling these troops too quickly. Um, I don't know if this is the best way to describe it, but it almost seems like it's kind of like a shock to the system and they were weakened and the Taliban was able to make their way back. Right. Well, yes. So I do want to address that we discussed this on a previous What's in the News episode. We talked about um, the fact that Biden had said that by September 11th, 2021, he wanted to be pulled out. Uh, And I do believe that it was said on that episode I, I, I know that I voiced a concern about like, okay, I'm, I'm glad that that's happening. I've had a lot of friends and family members who have been deployed, um, seen long-term effects of deployment. I don't want to be keeping, keeping our troops over there indefinitely. However, there had to be a plan in place to ensure that the Afghani government, the new baby Afghani government really in the long term of things um, was able to kind of stand on their own and that they were well equipped enough to uh, prevent the Taliban from coming in and taking over again. Right. So let's talk a little bit about U.S. involvement in Afghanistan. So in 2001, when George W. Bush was president, there's a reason why I'm, I'm saying that. <laughs> yeah. For Oh, my God. So many memes of like people blaming Biden, but then it was actually George Bush. But I saw one the other day, too, that was all, taking us all the way back to Reagan. Well, that's the thing. I mean, and, you know, I don't even say that necessarily to say it wasn't Biden's fault because as I go through this is what I'm going to do I'm going to tell you who was president at the key points of of this timeline right and it's all it's everybody it's everybody it's across both parties yeah you know mistakes were made just point blank period you know so are you ready to shop Rakuten's big give week is back Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwein, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. 
Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world that ours is not a loving God and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. When George Bush was president, um, after 9-11, the Islamist militant group Al-Qaeda and its leader, Osama bin Laden, were identified as being responsible for the attacks on the Twin Towers and the Pentagon. And bin Laden was in Afghanistan at the time and under the protection of the Taliban, which had held power in that region since 1996. Uh-huh. So when the Taliban refused to hand bin Laden over to the United States, we went in with the full force of our military right. to remove the Taliban from power. So I think that that's important to know. It wasn't, I feel like a lot of people are trying to frame this as this benevolent thing that we went in for the Afghani people. Um, I don't, I personally do not believe that's true. I think we were pissed after 9-11 and we were like, you've got Osama bin Laden. We want him. You won't hand him over. So we are going to start a war with you. Right. (laughs) Because to to me, that was the thing that was so uh, confusing to me as a kid, because the way it was being described is like, oh, we're going to go over and help their government. We're going to like essentially kind of colonize them and make them more Western and things like that. So in my mind, as like a nine, 10 year old, I'm like, then why are we calling it a war? You know what I mean? Because it was a war on terror, not a war on the Afghani people. Right. Right, Exactly. But in my head, it never made sense because I'm like, okay, the way you're describing this is more of like a, like a peace mission, not as much of a war mission where I think that you nailed, hit the nail on the head with talking about the fact that we wanted to, punish the people who did the 9-11 terrorist attack and that makes more sense to me as to why we would go into this war than just saying oh no we just want to help these people well and the thing is if helping the people of Afghanistan happened then it was like okay that's a happy side effect I don't think that that the reason for going in was wholly benevolent right like if the Taliban had been like okay here's Osama bin Laden here you go then we would have been like cool deuces right we never would have gone in like you know yeah well okay so then we're talking about 2001 do you have anything from before that talking about because i know that ronald reagan like did some sort of training with the troops in afghanistan or something i have no notes on this i was just wondering is there like other evidence of u.s presence in afghanistan before then i don't personally know so i don't feel like i can say but i mean i wouldn't be surprised u.s interference in the middle in the middle east is a long, you know, standing. We've Were been you about to say forever. in the Midwest? <laughs> I don't know. I, I was say in the Mideast, which, you know, sure. Sure, <laughs> right? we can we can, we can, can shorten it in down. In the Mideast. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, go on with what you were saying. So, okay, so like, we're like, we're going to go in, we're going to remove the Taliban from, from power. However, after we did that, so we went in, we did that, hooray, right? We, like, dismantled the Taliban. Yeah. There were militant Taliban groups who reformed, and violence between U.S. soldiers and the Taliban continued ever since. So yeah. there has been violence. Um, you know, the Taliban has inflicted violence against the United States troops who were there, civilians, etc. Yeah. Um, because they... they rebanded pretty yeah. much right away. Well, and I talk about the Taliban quite a bit when I covered Malala 
mm-hmm. in one yes. of the episodes yeah. about a year ago. Um, in her story, she discusses, you know, what it was like being a child growing up under the rule of Taliban. And it really is. It's it's horrifying. Horrific. and sad. Yeah. I mean, her story in particular, which I'm sure is, you know, one in a million in, you know, war-ridden areas. But it's just, it's so unbelievably sad to me that all of this seems to be going forth again. Yes. So, um, I mean, and yeah, it was like the the Taliban weren't in power anymore, which is a big deal. Uh, but they were still inflicting terror upon civilians throughout Afghanistan during this period. Right. And, you know, there were, were a lot of United States casualties uh, of soldiers as well. Um, in 2014, when Obama was president, NATO, which is an intergovernmental military alliance between a bunch of European countries and then I think also Canada and the United States. Yeah, it's like um, what they what I've been seeing referred to as Western allies in all of the articles that I've read. Yeah, just yeah. kind of to clump them all in one. Yes, and box. largely like a lot of military powers, right? Yeah. Um, and they had been involved in this situation as well. Like it wasn't just the United States; it was also a lot of these countries who were part of NATO, and. Um, they decided in 2014 that they were going to leave this relatively new, you know, the new Afghan security forces to protect its new and fragile government. Right. And so the U S troops would stay on to train and equip them. And so we spent billions, billions of dollars. Oh yeah. I remember um, this well to, in order to, train the Afghani um, soldiers in order to protect their own government so that they would be self-sufficient should we ever decide to leave. Like, that was right. the plan, right? That was the plan, and that was also, I think, kind of what Biden and a lot of people were expecting. Like, oh, well, we've we trained them. Like, they should be, yeah. mm-hmm. they should the be totally equipped. There's no way that there's going to be a weak link. Mm-hmm. That's the Yay. argument that you're yeah. going to hear, right? But at that time, so again, the Taliban presence was never gone in Afghanistan. And at that time, when we basically said, like, we're going to largely pull out, we're going to leave a small portion of our troops here to train them um, with the goal of being pulled out in the next however many years, right? Right. So at that point, the Taliban was like, the cool, Um, there's an end date to them being a presence here. Right. So they started planning, right? And they started seizing more control um, and more territory throughout Afghanistan. So then recently, under Trump, Uh the U.S. made a deal with Taliban militants and they brokered an agreement to fully withdraw U.S. and NATO troops in exchange for a ceasefire and violence reduction, right? They're like, you know you're going to do violence, but just reduce the amount of violence. Just not as much violence as you were planning. Less violence, maybe. You know, just a smidge of violence, right? Yeah, I remember the talks of this. We probably talked about it as well, because I remember being like, oh, okay, yeah, you're just going to, like, buy that they agree to this? Okay. (laughs) Like, why would you just trust their word, right? Like, this is fine. Don't trust the Taliban. And there was no clarity on how the demands would be enforced. They didn't even ask, like, Mm. okay, like, how are you going to enforce this? And the new Afghan government was not included in the negotiations whatsoever. Like, the U.S. just went in, the Trump administration went in, shook hands with the fucking Taliban. And which, again, I'm just like, how are these, like, USA, like, American patriots cool with with Trump? They're like lead dude their number one guy 
and shaking hands with the fucking Taliban. They, I'm sure that there are mental gymnastics that his supporters have done to explain wild. that away. I mean, it's the same Super reason wild. why they thought it was a good thing that he met with Kim Jong-un. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's bizarre. <laughs> it is. Um, so the Afghan government was really not happy about this deal because, you know, you can't fucking trust the Taliban to no. keep their word, right? Yeah. And so then this year... Under Biden, you see what I did there? We I got do. four presidents. Um, the U.S. began to withdraw from the region. They were like, all right, Trump had a plan to, to pull us out in 2021. Biden said, sounds good to me. We're going to continue going down that path. So he was like, we're going to fully withdraw on September 11th. I want to be fully withdrawn by September 11th, 2021. So, despite, you might be shocked to, to learn that despite the deal that was struck between the U.S. and the Taliban, the attacks from the Taliban did not stop. And yeah. instead, the Taliban have shifted their focus to targeting Afghan security forces and civilians and executing targeted assassinations. So when the U.S. withdrew from the region, and we're not entirely withdrawn, but like a large portion, you know, withdrew from the region, the Taliban almost immediately gained territory and increased their attacks on civilians. Within yeah, because they've one been weak. Yeah, they've five been preparing. capitals had fallen to the Taliban with major cities just toppling. Yeah, yeah. they were ready. They yeah, were ready. They've they been had, planning. They were like, okay. They've been planning since Trump told them like, hey, this is what we're going to do. Jesus I mean, Christ. and honestly, they've been planning since 2014. It's just like, yeah. yeah, you announced, and then, of course, Trump and then Biden gave them a date like yeah. to move towards. And they were like, all right, so on this date, we're going to be ready. Like, fuck the deal we made. Yeah, you know, exactly. That doesn't matter. Yeah. So, Most recent, well, are you kind of, are you in present times right now? Yeah. Most recently, the Taliban entered this capital city of, is it Kabul? Yeah, Kabul. I've been, Kabul. See, I've been saying Kabul in my head, because I think I'm thinking of the word Kabul. But you know what? I think I've heard it said both ways, to be honest. Okay. And um, anybody, you know, if you are, if your family is from there, please write in yeah, with please. a phonetic spelling for us. Yeah, please let us know how to say it. Um, so they enter the capital of Kabul on Sunday after President Ashraf Ghani left the country for the United Arab Emirates and panic ensued in the Afghani people who worked with the Western Armed Forces or agencies and mass amounts of people rushed to the Hamid Karzai International Airport seeking refuge. And I'm sure that most of you have seen these images or videos pop up on social media. They've been all over the place, but it was absolute chaos and it was tragic. It was devastating. It really like I, I feel like those images are going to live in my head for the rest of my life. I, I couldn't agree more. When you see people, I, I you know, what keeps coming to my mind is that that saying that's like nobody puts their child in a boat unless the sea is safer than the land. Yeah. And it's like nobody clings to a United States helicopter that's taking off only to plummet to their death yep. unless they believe that the air is safer than the land. They yep. would rather die yeah. in, a, in, in an actually like completely irrational way. That's the amount of fear, right? Is like, right, you you're, know, in, you're in survival that, mode holding on to a plane's wing is not going to like save you. You know, it's not rational. It's not doable, but you would rather risk that than be in a Taliban jail. 
It's you know. just, oh, it just apps. It makes me just want to go over there and be like, all of you can stay in my apartment. <laughs> I'll well, take care I mean, of you. It should make America do that. Yeah. yeah. It should make America say, you know, look, whatever you want to say about what was done over there. The, the point is we did go in and we did disrupt this and we did leave without being absolutely certain that we had everything in place. Yeah. And I get it. Like we couldn't be there forever. I understand that. No one's arguing that we could just stay there forever. But Right. Like, and I doubt that there is a situation where we would have gotten this like perfectly and nothing bad would have happened. Like I think that the whole situation in itself, the fact that we started this war to begin with was going to make it very difficult to pull out of. It's just, it's the amount of tragedy and the amount of people that are trying to save themselves. But the U.S. troops were only able to evacuate 2,500 troops. But there will be more, they or say. Civili- were they civilians? Civil- or I, I wrote troops, yeah. but I think I meant civilians. But mm-hmm. um, I read that the Taliban is at the airport now. They're at checkpoints. Mm-hmm. So while the U.S. wants to take as many civilians as they can and they plan on sending more planes and helicopters, now they have to kind of like work through the checkpoints that the Taliban have taken over at the airport in order to get there to get the people. Right. I mean, and again, I want to point out that the Afghan president he fled the country for his own safety. Yeah. However, in doing so, he did effectively hand over control of the nation to the Taliban. That's exactly so what he did. There, There is nothing protecting any of these people. And it's it's very interesting to see, or interesting is the wrong word. Wow. Um, but it's, it's horrifying to see, actually. A lot of these people speak. There was one woman whose name escapes me at this moment, uh, but she is one of the very first female governors in Afghanistan. And she basically said, she's like, I'm just waiting for them to come get me because Uh. they killed my, they killed her father the year before they've made multiple attempts on her life. And uh, she's like, it's, it's, it's done. It's happening. There's nothing that I can do. And the same is happening for other high-risk individuals, um, such as journalists, diplomats, people who have aided the U.S., including interpreters. Um, And the U.S. is prioritizing getting those people out, people who have aided us while we were there. But one, it kind of feels like it might, might be too little too late. Yeah. And secondly, we need to... We need to take as many asylum seekers as possible, yeah. as many as fit in this country. And it doesn't yeah. matter whether or not they helped us while we were while we were in the region. Like anybody who needs to get out and request to get out as many as we can take, we should take. Yeah, period. Definitely. One hundred percent. And I do want to say also that experts say that the Taliban is stronger now than at any point in 2001. Oh, hell it's yeah. Worse. It's worse. They've been stewing and they've been getting angry. And I don't, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, we see them as being the bad guy, but they see us as being the bad guy. So they've been angry and stewing for a very long time. And they're very, very powerful. You know what I mean? we can have, there's a conversation to be had also about how a lot of these people ended up radicalized, right? And I'm not at all taking responsibility off of them. No, but uh, there is. In any way, but there's a price to be paid for our imperialism, our capitalism. Yep. um, And the things that we do as well as a country. So 
again, absolutely not taking responsibility off of the Taliban for the horrific acts no, um, of violence that they enact all the time. But it's but, important to know the genesis of how people become that way. Just like when we talk about alt-right YouTube or when we yes, talk about, exactly. you know, any right-wing stuff or even when we talk about Nazi Germany and things like that, like there's always an indoctrination and there's a reason that these things happen. It's not like just being evil for evil's sake. Like, you know, we're all, we're human. There is mm -hmm. like a whole story behind how yeah. these things happen. How do people get radicalized, right? Yeah. And, and why? And what And part, how can we any, prevent it? To ha mm -hmm. from happening, you know, in the future. And I think that's why it's important to talk about that, not because it's excusing anyone's behavior, but the more we can understand those groups of people, hopefully the better we will become, uh, better will be about dealing with that type of group of people, you know, because clearly we're not handling it very well right now. And one thing that really surprised me was that President Biden stated on Monday that he was squarely behind his decision to withdraw U.S. troops, though he acknowledged the Taliban took control far more quickly than he anticipated. And I just well, wish there was more to it than that. Like, that just seems like him saying that he was still squarely behind it. Like, I wish there could be some wiggle room. There. I don't think he can say anything else at this point. Like, I don't think he can backtrack now. You know, I think he's locked himself into this position but can't um, you but can't you apologize or not even apologize but acknowledge when maybe the decisions you made weren't exactly how you hoped them to come out like he can still admit that like i had the best of intentions with doing this i really thought this was going to work this way you know I apologize to the people of Afghanistan and to the, you know, United States citizens that are over there. We're doing our best now to, you know, remedy the situation. Like, uh, to me, that's what I would rather hear is just, like, honesty about it. But. Right. I mean, I, I wonder I'm asking if for too more, much. And I wonder if there's more going on as well, because I imagine he doesn't want to show weakness for something if they have no way to or intention of correcting it that's a good you know point. what i mean because it's just like he can't say that and then do nothing if it would be better for him to just stand by his hard line right rather than to say something that he can't follow through on or back up right because people are dying like that's just but that's the, case, the thing you know? is like i wish he would acknowledge the death you know what I mean? Like, right. to me, that's just kind of the thing that I feel like is missing of him just saying I'm squarely right. behind it. Like, I just want some acknowledgement of the fact that, like, there are so many innocent people that are dying and being imprisoned right now. Like, I wish that there could be a little bit more about that and what he has to say. But, you know. Right. I mean, but honestly, I think I feel like I would only want him to say that if he's going to fucking do something. Oh, because otherwise, uh, totally. like, if, if he was if he was just going to be like, sorry, that sorry, this is happening and then like not do anything. So it makes me wonder what their plan is. And unfortunately, yeah. I think that that plan is probably not a whole lot in terms of stepping in. I know that they have sent more troops in, sent troops back um, to help control the situation at the airport. Right. Uh, but beyond that, I mean, I mean, I the point was to get everybody out. So it doesn't really make sense for him to send, you know, he's not going to completely do a 180 and send like all the troops back in, you know, like, I guess that that makes sense. But Hopefully, right. I mean, I mean, I, I know nothing situation. about military stuff. So hopefully it's, someone's figuring out something. <laughs> it's well, they should have figured it out already. Like, that's the thing that is so frustrating about this, because also, you know, I know so many people personally who have done tours in Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. So many people who even if they came back, their lives are 
forever changed. They have mental health problems. Uh, close friends of mine. Yeah. Mental health problems from, from being in Afghanistan. Things that they may never recover from. And for them as well, I understand it's not the same as what the people of Afghanistan are going through at all. Please don't think I'm comparing the situations. But I will say also that like, it must be horrible mm-hmm. to see that like, okay, what was it all fucking yeah, for? Yeah, like, why do we do this then? Yeah, that's what how... What was it for? That's what I'd be thinking. You know, like, it, it just, it has to feel like that. And um, it's just a shitty situation. And it, and I know that so many people in the United States join the military um, because they are trying to move up in the world, right? The, the military will pay for your schooling. The military will pay for your housing. Yeah. Um, and it is an opportunity to get yourself out of a bad situation. I know a lot of people who have done that. And our military industrial complex, this thing that we give billions of dollars to every year when we can't house our homeless or give people medical care, we put billions of dollars into this military industrial complex that still fucking preys on poor people (laughs) who are just trying to better their lives by joining the military because they think it's a way out of a bad situation. And it's, it's horrible all the way around. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I have more stuff here, but we can talk about it another time. Uh, if you have more that you, you want to talk about, if you want to talk about the Delta variant, um, that's yeah, fine. I we'll, mean, we'll talk more about the Taliban in other episodes, I'm certain. Yeah. So. I mean, all I really wanted to say about the Delta variant is probably things that you already know. Something that was absolutely astonishing for me to see. I'm trying to mix up my adjectives. I use the word astonishing this time. So in June, our seven-day moving average in the United States of reported cases was around 12,000. By July 27th, the seven-day average reached over 60,000 cases, which is a similar rate to the cases before the vaccine was widely available. So If you are vaccinated, yes, you are going to be more protected than if you are not vaccinated, but you can still spread the Delta variant to someone who is not vaccinated and they could get infected. Um, Keegan and I are recording separately right now because somebody that I work with uh, tested positive for COVID. So just to be sure, I'm staying away from people. I'm staying really masked up, all that kind of stuff. But it's really scary. And we're getting back to a level of numbers of cases that is really, really terrifying. And another thing that really drives me crazy I watched this great video about this man whose wife has terminal breast cancer, stage four breast cancer, and she was having issues and had to go to the hospital. And she was in the hospital and she stayed for like two nights and she should have needed a few more nights, but they asked her to leave because they needed more space for COVID patients. And most of these COVID patients are people that decided not to get the vaccine. And it's really upsetting a lot of people that, you know, the people that are saying COVID isn't real or I'm not really going to get sick. I don't need the vaccine. And now they're like desperately taking up all of the beds and things like that. So this is a desperate plea. I know that uh, probably most of our listeners, if you are able to get vaccinated, have been vaccinated. But if for any reason you have not, I encourage you so, so much to get vaccinated so that we can hopefully someday be done with this pandemic because at this point I don't know when it's ever going to end yeah I mean okay so just 
real talk, hard truth. I know that everything that we just talked about and what everybody in Afghanistan is going through right now and what what it must be like in other parts of the world right now. And I know that by comparison, what we're going through is so small. Right. And I, I understand that and I want to acknowledge that first of all. But I will say mentally, not doing great. Like I am not doing great. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing good right now. Like, and I think that part of it is this feeling of just never ending dread about our situation. Yeah. Um, and it's awful. It needs and to I stop. Just, I'm really. I have, I have the credits from um, Bo Burnham's Inside on a loop in my head. Yeah. Where he's just going, it'll stop any day now. And I have to repeat that to myself Ugh. all the time in an effort to just feel like, okay, this isn't forever. Nothing is permanent. I know, you know? but like <laughs> I've also been watching Last Man on Earth and I'm like, are we all just going to die? Like what is going to, you know, if how is are, this going to stop? I will say this. If if the apocalypse comes in movies, people's will to live is the strong. And I'm kind of just going to be like, look, man, if it comes for me. <laughs> That's the thing I'm always amazed with in these apocalypse movies. Like if there was a zombie outbreak, I would like I'm, ask for someone Dude, to kill me. I'm like, I don't want to do this. I'm not strong. I'm not fast. I'm not good with a gun or really any weapon. I'm emotionally and, fragile. Like I can't right, deal with like, an apocalypse. I put, after the year we've had, I'm not mentally strong enough for that. No, no, I no. I would it. be like, somebody kill me now because I don't want to be alive for this anymore. Now, okay, we'll, we're going to say all that because we do have a platform with the disclaimer that <laughs> this is an imaginary it's situation. Satire. It's satire. We are not but. being serious, but I'm also being kind of serious because like I legit like, low key. wouldn't survive. Like I would be and I would be like the most insufferable human being to deal with in Complaining those times. constantly. Me too. I'd be like, it's hot. I'm sw- it's I'm sweaty. I'd be I'm like, tired. zombies, take me. Let me become one of you. I've been walking for four days, and all I've had is a can of cat food. Go fuck yourself. Like, no, <laughs> of no. course it's cat food. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, no, that scares me. That scares me. But yeah, please, everybody, continue to wear your masks, especially indoors. Please get vaccinated if you can. If you have loved ones in your life that have not been vaccinated, please gently urge them to do that. To do so. I know how difficult it is but really that's the only thing that is going to make this fucking thing stop and it makes me so mad that this pandemic has been so politicized because it could have been over by now yeah <laughs> just we Dude, were new so zealand, close new zealand just shut down because they got one covid case are they you were like, serious no, we're going back on lockdown uh-uh y'all don't know how to act and meanwhile <laughs> Look at us. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, I have people. We have a mask policy inside the store. But yet people, when they try things on, they take their mask off and then they'll come back into the store to grab more clothes. And I'm like, where'd your mask go? Like, keep it fucking. If I have to keep it on all day, you have to keep it on all day. At At the Van Gogh exhibit today. I was also getting like vaguely annoyed at the number of people who were clearly just there to take Instagram photos, which whatever, it's your prerogative. But like the people who would take off their masks so that they could do like selfies and had to be told by these poor employees who are probably making minimum wage, like, ma'am, you need to keep your mask on the whole time. Yeah. What are you? What are you? What? 
Oh, when people people say that they can't try on sunglasses because they can't see what they look like. And I'm like, that's the part of your face that isn't covered. You can see what it looks like. I I just that I don't understand. But everybody that tries on sunglasses pulls their mask down to look in the mirror. And it drives me insane. Stop wearing chin diapers. That's another one. Or like just having it over your mouth and having your nose hang out. It drives me freaking nuts. And then they're wearing a mask. So I don't feel like I can be like, please wear your mask. Like I feel like an asshole being like, can you fucking wear your mask correctly, please? Like, oh, I hate it. I hate yeah, it. I've had enough. I've had enough. I've had enough. I'm done. I've had enough. <laughs> let's let's move to New Zealand where they have one case. Dude, I'm about to look. I'm about to fuck off to the forest. I swear to God, you can catch me there. I'll be just like hanging naked by the lake, right? Dude, like, that I'm sounds pretty good at the moment. Down, just living naked by a lake. Fuck yeah. Or a river would be better because it's running water. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, river, yes. some nice fresh water. Live off that. We can get like some solar panels on a house. Just bacon bread all day. We weren't meant to live like this. No, okay? we weren't. Some bullshit. Fuck capitalism. Anyway. <laughs> With that being said, we... <laughs> all right. Well, that's all that we have for you all today. Thank you so much for listening to another What's in the News episode. We have missed you. I hope you've missed us Indeed. as well. We are back. Uh, if you have any news stories that you want us to cover next week, please feel free to email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com or shoot us a direct message on Instagram at Angry Neighborhood Feminist. We have a Facebook business and group page. You can rate and review us on the business page and chat with the other listeners on the group page. And if you haven't already, the thing that helps us the most is if you leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. I actually looked and I think we only have like we don't even have like 200 reviews. We definitely mm-hmm. have more than 200 listeners. I'm putting y'all on blast right now. So those of you who have not left us a review, we would greatly, greatly appreciate if you would do so. All right. That's all we got for you today. With all that being said, we encourage you to rage on. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.